Welcome to Football Ireland. It is another day in the NFL. It's a special podcast. Uh, it is franchise tag deadline day. Um, you know, we are that much into the off season that we're now doing podcasts and this and that. Michael McQueen, delighted to be joined by uh, Kildare's own, Salbridge's own, Mark Hogan. Mark, thank, first off, thank you for doing this when the Champions League's on. How you doing? You good? Yeah, yeah, let's get out of here, all right. <laughs> but no, uh, it's crazy because in a, in a week's time, we're looking at free agency when, if you compare it to last year, Monday is when their heaviest of hitters will sign. We're going to talk about um, Lamar and stuff, obviously, today, but like the heaviest of free agents. Now, the free agents class doesn't seem to be as sparkling as it has other years, but obviously the franchise tag, we know who's going to be hitting it. We're not going to be talking yeah. about too many of the players that are hitting it, even though there's particularly interesting ones. We're going to obviously come later in the week with a bit of a primer for uh, free agency. But when we think in a week's time, we're going to have massive signings happening. The Tuesday, I personally think, is the most exciting one because that's when every team seems to get a superstar unless like you're 5 million under the cap and you can't afford anyone at all. But there'll be a bit of excitement from every team this time next week-ish. But it all starts yeah. with the, the franchise tag and what it does say and doesn't say about certain teams and what headaches are potentially going to be the new narratives that are going to be into the NFL. I mean, there's a few names that we're going to get into that look like they're going to be bubbling and bubbling and bubbling now for the next couple of months because they have been tagged. It's funny because you know we're actually, I think we're at the, yes, we're at the one year mark on Wednesday of this week when Roger signed that big deal and when Wilson went to the Broncos. So that's been a quick year. Uh, it's funny in that sense, but you're right. There isn't really a dull moment in this offseason, maybe outside of the draft afterwards for a few weeks before training camp gets up and, ro- gets up and going. Um, that's when the lull seems to happen. But you're right. You know, this is a situation now where there is a lot going on. Um, and it's funny because we, we, we're, we're putting this out as a separate podcast because there's a lot to talk about. We are recording this prior to the deadline, about 20 minutes till the deadline. So as of the time of recording, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen, Daniel Jones and the Giants. So we, we, will, we will react to all of that later on in this podcast. But um, I guess there's only really one way to start off with here, um, Mark, and it's it's Derek Carr going to the Saints. That, for me, it's, it's not a surprise. The surprise for me still, honestly, is why Vegas let him go. And I really, really mean that. I think, and we might not agree on that. I think the division that they're in, when you've got Mahomes, you've got the Broncos and, and Wilson, who's had a poor season, but they're going to try and improve, obviously, in the, just on that offense. And you've got the Chargers, who have got a phenom young quarterback and Justin Herbert. I think the way in which McDaniels has went about this is poor. I think the way in which they've brought him out or put him out of the team is poor. And I think they're going to be, potentially, they could pay the price for this, especially in the short term. That being said, for Derek Carr, talk about landing in a situation where it's his team. He's got plenty of years left ahead of him in this league. His dynamic play, frankly, can suit this offense for the Saints and they can really, really build around him. And it's funny because he goes in and we've mentioned all those quarterback names there now. He now goes into a division at the time of recording that does not have a starting quarterback in the team. We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. So what a situation that Derek Carr finds himself in. Um, Going from the AFC to NFC, you'd have to look at the Saints right now as the standout leader for that division. Yeah? As it stands. You would do, but I think the problem 
problem in air quotes for me with Derek Carr is I, as soon as he went to the Saints, I said, well, with the team that they have, like they obviously don't have the same attacking power as they used to. It looks like Alvin Kamara is facing a suspension at some point because he has what a court date set for July for that domestic ba- or that battery charge yeah, that he got face. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how many games he actually gets suspended yeah. or if it's like a, a long-term suspension I say it'll be anywhere three to six games everyone's talking about Mike Thomas obviously being released so it's like maybe they have the same level of attacking power as the Lions had going into this year but obviously that worked out well for them when Aaron Ron say Brown similar to that one apologies but the um thing for me with Derek Carr is I straight away just look at him as the new Kirk Cousins. His highs will never be high enough for me. And his lows, I'll say, I told you so. Um, I do think that he can definitely be competent for them. Obviously, Kirk Cousins this year went to the Pro Bowl kind of under under the radar. But I'd like for Derek Carr's sake if he was able to put up a really good season. But otherwise, he just kind of blends into the background. We haven't had a quarterback. Maybe... If you're a fan six or seven years ago, you'd know that there was names throughout the NFL that just the likes of Mike Glennon starts for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and people don't really bat an eyelid. It's like he just, yeah, he slots in. We haven't had that for the last few years because quarterbacks have been so good. I'm not going to say that he signals any kind of regression. Maybe we got a bit ahead of ourselves, but I think he just kind of slots in there nicely and you name the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, but he's never the headline story, you know, that kind of way. So maybe he can, maybe he can change that. Maybe that's been his career so far by the, by the one year that he played particularly well. But when you, we obviously knew that this was happening with the Las Vegas Raiders, like when they benched him, we knew that he was uh, being moved on from, I mean, there's no point going into it too aggressively, but it does seem like a bit of throwing their toys from the pram that it didn't work out for them and they needed a scapegoat because it certainly wasn't Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams' fault. So we'll see how it goes for Derek Carr, but it seems to be a good landing spot. And during the combine, that definitely seemed, or all the signs pointed to him going to the New Orleans Saints. The I have to give it to Derek Carr. He was wronged in terms of how he was sort of put out of the organization as far as I'm concerned, but at least he walked out unlike Enoch uh, did this week. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Sorry, I uh, I know it. I, I, I know that Enoch is to, Enoch. Do we have to put like um one of those no. messages at the beginning that you might might be triggered during this episode? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's a bit of crack, folks. It's a bit of crack. Um, I, I will say this. In 2021, uh, Coaching change. Henry Ruggs has that accident. Awful, awful lot of stuff going on. He had a hell of a season. Over 67% completion rate of his passes. Nearly 5,000 passing yards. And a bad year last year, to say the least. You can have bad years in the league. I think, yes, I get what you're saying about Kirk Cousins. And about, you know, it'll, it'll never be good enough. We don't know what's going to happen when you've got like young talent like Crystal Lava there. You just don't know how far they can go. Like you're going to have six games in that division where, as of right now, they don't have a starting quarterback. I'm really, I'm really, really looking forward, and I'm really intrigued to see how he can play in New Orleans. I'm excited to see, honestly, if he can make this team his own because I've always liked Derek Carr as a quarterback to watch. So it's thinking right if you're out of the lights of Vegas and it's a different team. For me, it's the first time that the scenes have been relevant since Drew Brees have left. There is no doubt about it. Yeah. In terms well, of relevancy, like, you know, they, they didn't have, even whenever Breeze was in his final season, going to the following year with James Winston, Taysom Hill, Andy Dalton at one point, God, I almost forgot. 
they suddenly feel relevant again. And I'm not saying it's the same relevance that when they had Sean Payton as, as a head coach there, but it certainly feels similar. And I'm excited to see if they can go on a run next year. But they're going to have to, because like you said, there's very slim pickings in that division otherwise. Like, Tava Bay, the door is shut clearly and they, with they, that they've team. They've literally said that they'll take Kyle Frask as the starting quarterback. They've literally yeah, said it, that. This the, the problem with them is, it's like, they might even be bluffing because they don't, like one of these teams is surely going to make a move in the draft for a quarterback, but it's it's all it's it's so wide open that division. It's it's just crazy, and like I'm just kind of in my head being like, how deep do we want to go in this? It's just so apparent to everyone that follows the NFL how weak that division is now. That yeah, the Saints can take advantage again all of a sudden. You know, it's crazy. Let's say uh, we're about 12 minutes away from this deadline happening. So let's talk about one more thing before we go into the whole Lamar thing and then go on, obviously, just the tag in general. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Now, look, something incredible could happen over the next 12 hours, which would ruin this podcast. But as of the time of recording, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has been given permission, apparently, to speak to the Jets. Um, Where do I start here? He's 39 years of age, Mark. I understand that the owners want to make a move and bring in a, a high-end quarterback. I don't think this is the answer for Jets fans, and I don't think he's the guy that they need. I feel that you could go and look at different guys, but I just I don't like the prospect of Rodgers going to New York. Now, I think Aaron Rodgers does, and he seems to very much be at peace with leaving Packers, which would make you think this is it, it's over. I guess the, the main positive for us and for anyone watching or following the league on a daily basis is we're almost at the end of the saga, and it clearly that that, that four day retreat worked in some sort of strange way. But if I'm Robert Sala, surely you have Zach Wilson as a backup and you bring in somebody else, which you can you know try and take the team to the next level next year. The question is, does Aaron Rodgers allow a team with a lot of talent? Get to that next level? I don't know. That's a strange one for me. Uh, do you know, Michael, the combine is great because all those insiders get together, put their notes and figure a lot of stuff out. Like That's why you were able to see that Derek Carr was going to the Saints because they were able to put it together. If you paid attention to you know, the, the ideas that they float out there, a lot of those insiders, they, they have to keep some stuff to themselves because whatever, you know, handshakes or envelopes, <laughs> swap hands, I don't know. But you could see that. And some of them were talking about Aaron Rodgers to the Jets and suddenly there's obviously a meeting in place. My first thought is don't let it happen because that media market in New York is vicious and will chew up and spit all this nonsense that Aaron Rodgers goes on without. Like if he, like he clearly has an issue with the media, they're going to be super aggressive. These like New York posts and stuff like that. If he doesn't like it, then he's like, okay, I'm out. I'm going to piss you off by getting, being out after one year. Maybe he doesn't make it to September. I don't know. But that that was my thing. It's like, this is another saga starting off. Like Aaron Rodgers, we know he likes to be in the limelight the last two, three years. Yeah, I don't know. From, from a fan point of view, like literally a fan, not even a playing point of view, I think that this just drags on. Maybe he's well aware that he seems to be super conscious and super aware of everything. So maybe he does know this is this is the way to be make the most noise. Obviously, it's a market that'd be massive for him, um, and make him even more famous than he already is. But from that point of view, and then in terms of talent wise, yeah, he is getting up there. But 
yeah, look, the Jets need a quarterback and uh, unless they go after Lamar Jackson, which this meeting was planned before Lamar Jackson was supposed to be any kind of way, shape or form available. So I don't know, does that change the uh, the thought process? I will tell. I just think that, yeah, I mean, you're spot on in terms of what you're talking about, the New York market. One bad game, one poor press conference, one thing said on McAfee in a negative way. And he's toast. And he'll walk and he will walk away. I just feel that surely there's a better option for him out there. Is the Jets are the Jets really the only team that are talking to him at the minute? Really? I, I was just I, I would be stunned if that was the case. So let's see what happens. I mean, obviously Woody will offer him a lot of money, and time will tell. We are and obviously, if he does go to the Jets, we'll have a more deep dive podcast on that because the Jets have got some serious talent and, and serious young talent. And I really, really like Robert Salas. So we, we'll go into that in detail if we need to. Uh, sounds like we might need to this week at some point. No one are lucky he'll do it on Paddy's Day. Not get me in the podcast on Paddy's Day next week. Um, right, L- Lamar Jackson. So we're, we're still waiting on Daniel Jones here. Let, let's start off because I, I, I know you got a list of these players that we're going to go through. Yeah, I mean, well, I what guess... other way than to start talking about Lamar Jackson, which it was it was always going to go in two ways. I actually, when I was putting my notes and my thoughts and my ideas together, I kind of wrote out what I was kind of thinking in the moment if he was to get exclusively franchise tagged or non-exclusive franchise tags. The difference is the exclusive franchise tag is Baltimore has to guarantee to pay him more money, but he's not allowed to talk to anyone else. The non-exclusive is the way that they've gone, which allows him to interact with other teams, see what the market is. But if he doesn't sign with anyone else, they pay him less money. If he does go to another team and they don't match the offer, they get two first round picks back. It seems like a bit of a gamble, you could say, on the surface level, because wouldn't they be better off franchise tagging him and trading him and then letting, you know, teams come to them and say how desperate they are and, you know, let them interact that way. But this way could save Baltimore money, which is crazy when you're talking about like what people are going to be able to offer now to get him in the building. Why would you kind of risk anything like that? But that's where I come in with Lamar Jackson because it's been a very strange relationship the last number of years. They haven't been able to get a deal done. Lamar's side this year, which obviously, or if people are unaware, he's represented by his mother and some version of lawyers or attorneys from the NFL Players Association that are helping him out with this thing to see can a player represent themselves and remove all those agent fees, which obviously cost tens of millions. So they've gone the non-exclusive and it shows that the relationship is sour because they won't commit to him long term for whatever reason. So it's like, well, what's the point getting me into the building at all? There's probably no chance that they, unless they unless they genuinely could not come to an agreement in those negotiations, which has been going on for the last couple of years now. Now, Lamar obviously said this season, as soon as the season came, he wasn't going to talk about them anymore. And it was going to get, get to this point and he stayed true to his word he obviously did get a bit injured and that probably played into Baltimore's hand or your injury problem. But then he could say, well, that's the way you treat me. But writing has been on the wall multiple different ways. The first was the talk that they could do this non-exclusive tag, which they now have done. Second was that Lamar was unhappy that Todd Munkin, who was brought from Tampa Bay, if you're listening to our coaching cycle, we talked about it briefly, but Todd Munkin was the offensive or the pass 
um, coordinator in Tampa Bay, which obviously has been electric with Tom Brady the last couple of years. He was brought to Baltimore to rejuvenate or, you know, to to spark any kind of a passing game in Baltimore, which has been non-existent, whether for lack of receivers or otherwise, the last number of years. So he was unhappy that he wasn't part of that process, which maybe Baltimore, if they were giving him, you know, a, a bit of a white dove or whatever, would have had him involved in that going into these contract negotiations. But yeah, he'll be able to find out now what he's worth. One of the interesting things via Stephen A. Smith during the week was his team came out and said, we're not looking for a fully guaranteed contract, but he might get a fully guaranteed contract. We know when, and this is kind of towing the line with the exclusive franchise tag now, but Kirk Cousins a number of years ago played on the franchise tag, the exclusive franchise tag twice, like two straight years with the Washington Redskins at the time and signed what was it? I have it here in front of me, an 84 fully guaranteed contract that was back in 2020. Works out at 2080 a year. Seems like a bargain. I know there's been a lot of movement in the quarterback market ever since. The Sean Watson, doesn't matter what he did, he sat out, sat out a whole year and he obviously he got his massive contract amidst everything that went on last year. So I was kind of thinking like Lamar's, if Lamar didn't, if Lamar got exclusively franchise tag, sit out the year. That's what I thought. So this just speeds out up a year. We You're have breaking there. Daniel Jones news. I wasn't muted. Oh, that was all excited. Uh, we'll talk about it in a minute. Let me very quickly. I mean, I think you've summed up that Lamar Jackson situation, you know, to a T. So we'll talk about Daniel Jones in a minute as you pretend not to be Googling it. We had, I'll, I'll give you a scheduling <laughs> minute. Don't worry. I'm still waiting on the numbers. Um, right. So Lamar Jackson, let's be clear here. Like, yes, this whole, it's been two years. They're not coming to an agreement. They're not. He, like, he might have got they're my not coming to an agreement on his terms. Do you know? You might have, we might as well dive into this, uh, Daniel Johnson. This is not uh, so. Hold, hold on. Hold on. I'll, I'll say one Everyone thing. Everyone that's right? listening, yeah, give it far away. I'll say, I'll say one thing, right? Because then we'll go into Daniel Jones. I don't believe Lamar Jackson plays a downing game for the Baltimore Ravens on the sense that he's trying to use that leverage deal that Deshaun uh, Watson got. And this raises the ceiling for this market, and it's going to be completely, completely overinflated, overhyped. The biggest story of this offseason for me will be where Lamar Jackson goes. And I think, you know, you've already got the Falcons saying that they'll not be pursuing him. I, I don't think he plays a downing game for the Ravens. I, I hope I'm wrong because I think he's perfect for that team if somebody would actually realize that. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, you, you're talking next week about big stories. I think that'll be the big story next week, along with Aaron Rodgers going somewhere. Um, but I think I think you summed it up beautifully. All right, yes, yeah, Daniel Jones. It, well, no, to, you're, you're right to talk about it. I was getting um, over my sleeves that you're right. I wonder because, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder now how fast it'll play out with Lamar Jackson, because like I said, he's representing himself. Will this be a super drawn out process or suddenly can he get a deal done is it that someone offers him so much money that you know he's like oh crap that's the number that I wanted all along is he blown away because someone can't, comes with him or comes to him with a, an offer that the Ravens wouldn't or is he going to be humbled I doubt he's going to be humbled because the lights of the Jets just thought we are back in action we've been a quarterback away we'll throw money at him hey who knows maybe the Chicago Bears could be in play Michael because like they have all the cap space in the world they have a mobile quarterback with Justin Fields, but they could say, hey, Lamar does it better. And this puts all this first round Ooh. talk to bed, you know? Wow, that would be insane. Because you imagine that if that happened, that would literally blow up the league if that happened. 
Um, and I, I'd happily, you know, happily talk about that because like there's a big talk, obviously, that the Bears could potentially be playing in Germany next year. Imagine Lamar Jackson against Patrick Mahomes. Eh? That'll be interesting. Um, yeah, so I'm just tweeting at the moment, uh, and one of the tweets is the video of Brian Dable walking well, into Stone Cold Steve My first reaction is, I see Mike, Mike Garofalo has tweeted, the Giants will tag Saquon Barkley, and my jaw drops. And then the tweet underneath that is Ian Rapport saying a four-year, $160 million deal for Daniel Jones, $40 million a year. $160 million. Like, this, this is my live reaction to this. $160 million 40, for four years. $40 million a year for Daniel Jones. After one huh. year of co- very competent play, he's gotten $40 million a year. That shows that the NFL's quarterback market has just blown up. Oh, my God. I... Is there any indication yet in terms of how much is guaranteed on that? If I bring my thing, it's it's sort of say with thirty. Now I, I'm not one hundred percent sure. Look, look, it's going to come out by the time people wow. are listening to this uh, podcast. But sort of say with thirty five million more in upside. So it's yeah. I mean that's that is absolutely let's, insane. Uh, let's let's go back a year here. Brian Dable comes in, new whole new regime in in New York. Major questions around Daniel Jones. Lots of fans, lots of analysts saying it doesn't matter if Daniel Jones has an MVP performance or a fantastic season next year. We we it's been however many years we have to move on. Saquon Barkley was done. He was never going to come back and play as good as like nobody thought he would come back from his injury and do this. And now they have tagged Saquon, and they have given Daniel Jones this four year. 160 million contract, which you would presume if it's over four years, I would. Pres- I, I have not seen yet how much the the I can't say compensation is in terms of guaranteed money is. That's a hell of a lot of money, and um, I I, I really have to just say, you know, my 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 first reaction to this is no, I I don't get it. I think the smart move would have been to have tagged Daniel Jones for a year seen how he played and negotiate with Saquon but the reality is Saquon Barkley is in a position in the league which is most flat like anybody else in terms of his position because you can get you can go and draft running backs each year Saquon's a great talent and I, I love the way he's come back into the league but surely if you're rebuilding and this Giants team was rebuilding and they had a hell of a season last year. Surely the right move for them would have been to have kept Jones for another year and give him that final incentive to get the big deal, make him work one more time for it and show people that he's that he is as good as he is. And then try and get Saquon back on a team-friendly deal. Saquon and New York love each other. Saquon loves the Giants. Really, really good relationship that they have together. Find a way to make it work. I'm stunned at this and, and I have to openly and people can call me out in this in nine months time when um, the Mara family and Jones and, and uh, Brian yeah. Dable are hoisting that Lombardi in, in Vegas if they want. This is the shot. Maybe, I, I am maybe it's stunned worth at this move. Michael, are you happy as a Giants fan? Because I don't know if I'd be uh, like, you're happy that they found a way to keep the team together. But look, maybe if you're, I'm, I'm not calling you delusional as a fan, if you're happy with Daniel Jones, maybe it is the right thing. But I agree with you. I don't think there would have been anything bad about a franchise tag year to make him play and prove it once more because is it Dable or is it Daniel Jones? You know, will Dable's offense be quote unquote found out? I'm not saying that it was that easy, but I mean, there was always 
a lingering feeling that the Giants weren't quite the team that their record suggested they were. And I would like to see them do it two years in a row, not just Daniel Jones, but the whole operation. So it is, look, these quarterbacks don't grow in trees, but look at the quarterback mark yeah, this year. Yeah, it's like, look, QBs don't grow in trees, of course, but and they've had a difficult few years of Giants. And Giants fans have, have not had success for the best part of a decade. I, I get that, but the NFC was poor last year. Really poor overall. Dable was an inspiration in New York last year. I'm stunned they've paid this amount of money. Like, I genuinely can't get it. And this is rich coming from a Broncos fan who's paid <laughs> X amount to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, for as bad as he was last year, and for as negative as people are talking about him, both inside and outside the locker room, he, he has a ring. So he can at least say that. Daniel Jones. Uh, I like we've talked about Aaron Rodgers in this podcast and how the New York market could respond to that. Talk about pressure now because they're now locked into this. And this is not just a situation anymore where it's like the final year of like the situation with Jones. This now goes on for an extended period of time. And if it doesn't go well next year, who's to blame? Like this is, we we are starting to chart here in strange territory for Giants fans. I hope it works out for him. I I, I like Brian Dibble. the The initial thoughts for me are that it won't, and I hate being the hate being the the bearer of bad news of Giants fans because a lot of Giants fans listen to this show. There's a lot of Giants fans in Ireland. I, I hope it works out for you lads, but I just don't get the the money. It's like I, I tweeted it earlier on, Mark. I'll say it now. That is Celtic Tiger sort of stuff there. That's insane yeah. money. Like Brian Kine wouldn't have been looking at that. Jeez, that's serious, <laughs> serious money. Genuinely uh, big money. I, I I hate to seem negative about it. Like maybe if you're a Giants fan, you just want to roll this back, you know, one more year because you know you feel like you did well this year and you want to see what could happen if you do it one more year again. So I'm glad that they're able to keep Saquon Barkley in the building. I'm not convinced that they couldn't have kept Saquon Barkley in the building anyway if he was able to test his market somewhat. But um. No, look, the, the deal seems to be done now and they'll get to work on keeping Saquon Barkley, so maybe it's going to be that they're both there long-term, you know? Is there anybody else that you want to mention because my head's now fried after seeing that Daniel Jones situation? <sighs> well, do you know, th- there is some interesting ones. I'll rattle off a quick one so that we can start getting through them. Um, Obviously, Josh Jones, or sorry, Josh Jacobs has been kept in Las Vegas. He was one that was tagged. Um, Of course, the biggest you know, story to this is whether he's going to be pissed off that he's been franchised like because they didn't pick up his fifth year option a year ago and then he went off and led the league in yards, set a career high in rushing yards, in carries, in receiving yards, 14 touchdowns this year, a first team all time all pro. He had that incredible game in week 12, I think, against the Seahawks when they beat them in the Raiders beat them in overtime. Uh, 229 yards out in front of me and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, we expected from the Ra- Raiders if he was on a better team, or you know, maybe if they say they they would argue if um Derek Hard played better. Uh, Josh Jacobs was in the MVP race for us. We were talking probably what in week 13 or 14, he was looking absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's massive stability for whichever quarterback is in there to have himself and Devontae Adams. If you want me to hit another quick one, Evan Ingram has been franchise tag. What does it mean for yeah. Jacksonville? I'm not. It, it's a good corner. It's corner something. It 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 kind of actually to me 
says that Trent Balk, yeah, last year they had a great um free agency, really. They had all that money and they invested in the offense, like Christian Kirk and all this. Um, Evan Ingram was given a one year, nine million dollar deal. Obviously, it's going to cost him now, I think, about 10 million with the, the franchise. So it's going to go to keep him in the building. Um, I think, yeah, they just they obviously in the last seven games, five in the regular season, and then those the playoff win against the Chargers, and then the playoff loss against the Chiefs. I have his numbers in front of me. He was averaging 72 yards a game, and then in the Chargers game, I think he had two touchdowns and led the team in receiving yards. So He's just a big part of their offense, and they want to keep him in the building. Interestingly, they've got Ridley there as well now. So that's yeah, Ridley's I mean, obviously like that, back. A serious offense, mate. Like the, it that, does. That the, thing, the thing with Evan Ingram going forward, and especially into free agency, his catch rate went up from being sixty-one point one percent catch rate in New York with the Giants. He went up to seventy-four and a half percent, and that's a massive fifteen percent increase because he was touted as injury-prone and drops the ball too much. Obviously, there was still drops last year. But when you think of Kenny Galladay's lack of production in New York the last few years, is it a New York problem or is it a Jacksonville problem? You could kind of look at that with Evan Ingram. Um, another one of the, the the quick hitters, if we want to talk about who else has been um, tagged, Deron Payne. The storyline that you kind of look at with that is Washington had four straight years of picking a defensive lineman in the first round of the draft. They had Jonathan Allen, who they signed to a big deal last year, now they've franchise tired Duran Payne with the intention of keeping him around the building for a long time. What that means for Montez Sweat, who was the next guy, will be interesting because after that you chase Young. So they can't, you know, it's a plethora of riches that they've had, but now the time to come has come to pay it. So you'd imagine that kind of put Monte Sweat in a kind of an awkward place. But like when it comes to Duran Payne, he had a career high in sacks this year, 11 and a half. He's a defensive tackle. He also set a career high in tackles for loss. He's better against the run than the pass, interestingly. So, I mean, if he had hit free agency, I think he would have been a decent name just because it's so poor. Like it's not stocked with pass rushers. But in terms of was I devastated that he didn't hit the open market if I'm a fan, probably not. He doesn't feel like the same cornerstone player as perhaps those other defensive linemen could be the likes of Jonathan Allen and, yeah, of course, Chase Young. Um, and then the biggest part of the storyline is obviously no um, franchise tag then for Taylor Heineke. So he's going to hit the open market. I think he finds his way back to uh, Washington. Yeah, I do. I think, like, I, I really like Taylor Heineke and I think he would be open to that because, let's be fair, like, if he goes back to Washington, he's going to play at least four weeks next season in, in the NFC East. I mean, like, it's... Yeah, he, he, he will. Like, he's obviously not going to command too much money, but it's the best setup for him Um, in terms of going back to Deron Payne. It, the good thing there is, obviously, Ron Rivera remains the head coach and he is defensive-minded. So, for Deron Payne, I think he's in the best position for him. They are going to get a deal done, clearly. Um, and then if we want to go, I do have a graphic that I'm trying to half edit here as we talk about this, but there is one that we have to genuinely talk about because it is the most intriguing and that's Tony Pollard being tagged and what it means for Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously the correct decision with Dallas, but obviously Elliott has to either take a huge cut now or be done with Dallas. I, I like Pollard's the better running back for that team. He's consistently been better over a consistent period of time now. Obviously Dallas have had some issues this year with their offense, we've seen it in the game against the Niners. They on a, on a different day, they could have had a very, very, very better performance. That that, that could have got them over the line, but it's clear in the long term for McCarthy. Um, 
and for the Dallas Cowboys that Pollard is is the answer. He's RB one without a shadow of a doubt in Dallas, and you know they finally got something right. The, the big question, as you said, will be what happens with Zeke. I think he's done. I, I don't think he he's he's never going to be an RB one again in this league. Genuinely, you can be I just googling. Don't... You can be googling while I rattle off some thinkings that I had if there was anyone else that has been franchise tagged that we've missed here because I'd like to think that we got them through all of them. I don't, think, comes, I don't think I don't think it's genuine. I don't think there's been anybody major. It was, it Obviously, was eight last year and we're down to it looks like five this year or maybe we're yeah, at there's, six. there's not as many so far. It's strange, isn't it? We're at, yeah, we're at five exclusive. Um Evan Ingram, Deron Payne, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, who I'll talk about now in a second. Then obviously uh, Lamar has been uh, non-exclusively franchise tag. But when it came to Tony Pollard, I not that I was predicting this or whatever earlier on in the season, but it, I don't know, week 10 maybe if you went back to my Instagram, I did put up a side-by-side comparison because I was a bigger fan of Tony Pollard. And fans on Twitter and Instagram told me, no, we'd rather Zeke. But I was like, well, what are you seeing in them? But it was um, a stat that I actually saw over the last 24 hours shows that Pollard led the league in yards yards per touch with 5.9. He beat out CMC, Travis Etienne, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb. Last place in qualifying running backs as is, which I think is 200 touches, was Ezekiel Elliott. So Zeke was obviously hampered by injury for part of the season. But I kind of thought this was, I feel like Ezekiel Elliott was the A.J. Dillon Aaron Jones the last couple of years that Adrian Dillon is going to be a fantastic running back so he's on the right side of this but Ezekiel Elliott was the red zone threat whereas Tony Pollard was being given the ball and you know when he gets the ball it can be explosive whether he catches it or runs with it and he did have himself a career year Uh, he read or he eclipsed the thousand yard for the first time he had 12 total touchdowns Um. He his touches increased, and the reason that I want to mention it is because Kellen Moore is gone. Brian Schottenheimer now is in as the offense coordinator. So Kellen Moore, I liked him again. Cowboys fans will tell you that he was a bit to blame. But it's like he did have a he did have a good thing going on with Tony Pollard. Brian Schottenheimer has not got the best track record. He's been with the Jets. He's been with the Rams. The Seahawks is one you could really talk about. The Seahawks fans didn't like Schottenheimer there at all because of his offense. He was an offense coordinator, I should say, if I didn't say that. So you don't know what you're getting. So when you saw Tony Pollard's numbers go up, what does Schottenheimer have in mind for him? Because when it comes to, and don't forget, Tony Pollard broke his leg in the NFC playoff game against the 49ers. And Jerry Jones yeah. was really saying if he had stayed on the field, we actually could have beaten the 49ers because they weren't going to come back into the game. But in, in terms of the actual team, though, Tony Pollard is a proven name that they kind of need to have there as they go through this quote-unquote rebuild. You don't know if they'll have Ezekiel Elliott. Last year, their running back room cost them just under $21 million, and that was seen as extortionately expensive in this day and age. Now, as things stand, if they don't get a long-term deal done and get to lower that cap number, it's at 27.68, almost $28 million on just the running back room, which doesn't make sense. What does that mean for Ezekiel Elliott? Will they ask him to take a pay cut? Well, they didn't do that when DeMarcus Ware or Des Bryant were let go. They weren't got offered a pay cut. Um, he was just gotten rid of, they were just gotten rid of. So I think that Jerry Jones is too sentimental. I was thinking of that Jimmy Johnson clip from a year ago when he started crying, <laughs> talking about how it, like, it ended in the wrong way and Jerry Jones feels guilty. But what really got to me is I remember the moment where I was at a video ready to go out on social media at the time for Ezekiel Elliott, because he was such a big name back when he signed it in 2019. He'd skipped the offseason, basically. He'd gone off the Cabo to do his 
offseason work there. And they yeah. just got this deal across the line. Six years, 90 million. This was a massive deal. What a massive week before. The time. It was massive. And it was going to bring him back in a week before. There was reports from Jane Slater. Oh, he'll be able to do 20, 25 touches in week one. But he's <laughs> going to get big, bigger into the... I was like, back then, even Jerry Jones said that he was the best player on the team. Even more, he, like Dak, Dak was there. And he still said that Ezekiel Elliott. And I suppose that was when... Todd Gurley, David Johnson, you know, the the mobile running back was really becoming a thing, but it was kind of different from it is today. But so, th- this goes back to our conversation around Saquon and about the shelf life of a running back. You've mentioned Todd Gurley there for the start. It's such a different position when you look at like quarterbacks and wide receivers and the value that you can get in the draft, especially in that day two, day three scenario, where you, you look at Zeke now and, you know, what, what do you pay him? Like that's genuinely like you know how high do you yeah. go? I, I think go as low as possible, but um, we'll see. Um, I, I, I think that, that, I th- I think it's right to keep Pollard in the building, but it's kind of yeah, it seems to be a different form of a headache now for the Cowboys as they deal with like the, it was class for them to have those two players on the team the last couple of years, but it's not like they didn't take advantage is the problem. And now like, you know, they, they were supposed to take advantage when they had them because yeah. it was going to, this was always going to happen a bit. Like what I'm saying is going to happen really with the, um the commanders that like your time is up having that plethora of riches. And now it's just going to be a headache for fans being like, we have to get rid of one of them. And they've chosen Pollard. It seems to me and Saquon Barkley is going to have to take a serious cut. Like I, I, I don't really know how you work it. I am presuming that we are going to look um, later on in the week or next week or depending on what happens, if something happens with um, Aaron Rodgers, we will get onto it. And if there is anything that, that will that will be back, but um, it's going to be an interesting week, man, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now this is, it, it takes off. Like I didn't, um, I kind of said we wouldn't get too into the, the what if, or not the what if, the, the we'll have a podcast some shape or form, or some format even on free agency now in the next few days because there is there is some good players out there. It's not as strong as other years, especially as teams are happier to get wide receivers in the draft than they would be, say, in free agency. Um, there is some good names. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's all about what happens with those top level quarterbacks here the Maris obviously Derek Carr is gone now who gets the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes and then it's you know who was playing second fiddle to all of those let's see what happens folks if you have enjoyed this podcast please do consider subscribing uh, on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen it really means an awful lot if you can give us a rating as well and um, put soda bread on the table so Thanks a million. Mark, thanks a million. Uh, big thanks to Michaela who's jumped on a few podcasts as well today. You'll see and hear them over the next week as well. And uh, chat to you soon, folks. It's long of fun.